Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Back at you today for episode 123. I'm your host as always, Rhett Matthew, and normally I am joined by the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. But unfortunately, he's been placed on the physically unable to perform list this week. Hopefully he recovers and uh, he can join us next week or the week after. We'll see what happens. But as of right now, Stuck on the PUP list. We do have a very special guest joining us on the show here today. Good friend of the show. You can hear him Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. to midnight on 1025 The Bone in Tampa Bay as the host of the Johnny B Show. Ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, Mr. Johnny Bell. Welcome to the show, Johnny. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, Red? How are you, buddy? I am doing good, my man. I am doing good. Now, people are probably familiar with Johnny B, one, because of the radio, and two, we did a little segment last season called The Bucks Break every Monday night on The Bone, and uh, that was a great time. It was a good break from the regular show that we do, but now we've kind of turned the tables, and here you are joining us on a regular episode of CFP, so it'll be a little bit weird. I'm, I'm, I'm got a little pressure on me. I'm a little, little nervous. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to getting that fire back up too. Once we get the season rolling here real soon, uh, to get those Monday nights uh, the bu- the Bucks break back on the show, uh, whether we have to do it phone in or or however the pandemic will allow us to do it, but definitely get that going. I know uh, everybody's excited right now, and everybody wants to eat up any Buccaneer content they could get. So uh, yeah, let's 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 create some. Hell yeah, man. I'm looking forward to it. So as of this week in Buccaneer news, we were kind of talking before the show started. It's been kind of slow. I mean, training camp is back underway, so that's a lot more football than we've had in the past three months. You know, they missed out on OTA, some of that spring action, but teams are back in the facilities. They're practicing. And then that opt out period that we went through, Buccaneers only had one player opt out. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But the latest developments from one buck involve a former mid round pick. That is MJ Stewart. Buccaneers waived him this past week. They parted ways with a recent high draft choice. They waived MJ Stewart. They selected him 53rd overall in the 2018 draft. And uh, that news came out this week. You know, we talked on the show a couple of weeks ago, me and Evan, and we discussed who was going to be the odd man out of that secondary room because the way that we look at it now, the way Carlton Davis played second half of last year, Sean Murphy bunting had one hell of a season. There's a lot more talent back there than there was when we drafted MJ Stewart. So last year, it seemed like most of his responsibility was on special teams. He really wasn't able to get it done there. And uh, he's that odd man out that we just talked about. So Buccaneers part ways with MJ Stewart. What do you think? Yeah, I, I really, I, I didn't think he was going to make a roster last year, to be honest with you. Um, he's really just been a letdown and it was a, it was a, uh, 
It was a bad pick. I mean, just straight up. I mean, he was actually chosen before Carlton Davis in the same round. Uh, and, and we see how that's panning out. I mean, Carlton Davis is uh, looking like he might be uh, one of the rising stars in the NFL. And MJ Stewart, he's always looked like he was running in mud. And, I mean, as an obese guy, I don't want to make fun of someone's speed, but, I mean, come on, man. You're a defensive back in the NFL, and he's uh, he always looked like he was four or five steps behind everybody, and we just don't have room for that. You know, we just don't. Not when you have guys rising up like, you know, Mozzie Wilkins, uh, even uh, John Franklin, you know. Everybody knows him from Last Chance U. We, we're probably going to make room for him on the roster because he's kind of a, you know, like a, a Swiss Army knife kind of guy they're working on, and, uh, there's just no room for MJ Stewart, man. And I don't know the whole story behind him, you know, but all I know is what I saw on the field was never good. Yeah. And I think it does speak a little bit to the standard that's been set. You know, a lot of people, and I, I'll be honest, including myself, I was kind of surprised to see him get cut when he did. I thought if it was going to happen, maybe it'd be a little bit closer to the season. But, you know, circumstances are kind of weird right now. But going back to what I was saying, the standard that's been set, you know, last year, B.A. wasn't messing around when he said, listen, if you're not going to put any effort into where you play, you're not going to be on this team. And we saw that they cut Vernon Hargraves in the middle of the season. You know, so I think the standard of play that you have to be on a Buccaneer roster has gone up. And that speaks volumes about this culture that, you know, B.A.'s wanted to come in and implement since day one. So it's a I don't know about a shocking move, but it's a move that I'm fairly happy about, because if he can't get it done, then simple as that. We just don't need him here. Yeah, the only person that cares about this cut is uh, Jason Light because it, it looks bad on him. Another second round pick down the tubes. But uh, as far as everybody else, the coaching staff, they don't care when he was drafted. The fact is he's not doing the job and he's got to go. I mean, you look at Jameis Winston, number one pick overall. And although it was a tough decision, uh, it's really a no brainer when it comes to production and, and where we're trying to take the team. So. I mean, there's, it's not personal, you know, it's business, man. And so you have to have that approach with it. And especially now with the pandemic, we don't have a preseason uh, for anybody to prove themselves. So they have to go with the guys that they know can produce. Not, I mean, it's, it's going to suck really bad for, for some of these undrafted rookies. They're, it's going to be the worst year ever for them to try to make it on a roster. I believe uh, they're only going to take 80 people instead of like the normal 98 or something in the training camp. And then, uh, then there'll be cut downs from there. It, it, it's, you know, it's an unpre unprecedented time. And uh, it's, it's really, really weird the way uh, these rosters are going to be handled because you have to not only think about the guys that are going to perform right away with little to no practice, but you also have to think about the depth chart uh, when it comes to guys possibly getting COVID and everything else. And I think that they're going to have to take the best of the best. Even the backups are going to have to be the best of the best. And MJ Stewart just wasn't. Yeah, that's what it boils down to. I need to mute my phone. Mute my phone. That's pretty unprofessional of me. Excuse me. Um, okay. <laughs> but uh, speaking of the COVID procedures that are happening right now, you know, you were talking to me before the show had started. Training camp is underway and these players are up in there. They want to make sure they're protected at any cost. So a little bit of what you had heard about uh, some of the things happening inside one buck. You were telling me about those badges that they've got to wear the safety that goes into it, because I wanted to lead this into the player who opted out. But um, yeah. yeah, man, what do they got going on in there? Well, the protocols, I mean, every team has a standard like blanket NFL protocol system set up, but they also have their own um, how they handle things. And I think the bucks are top notch when it comes to that. Yeah. They have um, these lanyards that not only the players wear, but anybody uh, within the, uh, the, the, the facility, 
Um, and they have a chip in them, which not only records who they've been around and how close they've been around those people uh, in order to trace if somebody does catch it, but they also, uh, it has uh, like a GPS, it, uh, it'll beep. Or actually, I heard it's a, a very annoying loud alarm if you get within <laughs> several feet of somebody else, uh, like a player. So um, people are wondering why you, why they can't get interviews with, with players very often. Well, you can't even get close to them. Literally can't get close to them without an alarm going off like you're, you know, like you're stealing a car. So, um, I mean, that, that right there is just thinking outside the box and really, really uh, doing your due diligence. I mean, so... We'll see what happens. We've only had a couple of guys so far on the protocol. We've had uh, Cameron Brait said, you know, he's already had it and, and recovered from it. And he seems to be running around the field pretty well. So um, I don't know. Most of the guys in the NFL that catch it are going to be asymptomatic or have very little symptoms at all. So that in itself is good, but it's also bad when it comes to, uh, you know, tracing people and, 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 uh, and everything else. So with the testing they're doing, um, and, and everything, you know, all the stuff that they have in place, uh, it, it gives me confidence that the, the season will, you know, definitely start on time and maybe we'll even get a full season, but it also gives the players confidence, uh, you know, that they, they're going to be okay. And that the team actually cares about them and, and their well being, uh, which, you know, speaks volumes when you see, uh, how many players are actually staying with the team, almost all of them. And especially Donovan Smith, who was the guy I, you know, on social media, it looked like he was going to opt out three weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, you talk about the strides that they're making for player safety, all the people in and out of that building. Another promising sign, too, is for all the media people. We had mm -hmm. uh, Taylor Jenkins, a Pewter Report, on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we talked to him about just how, at the time, not being able to go to one buck and report on training camp is going to affect his job. But with more of these procedures put in place, with the badges that you had just talked about to increase that social distancing, it's looking good for people to get in there and get information about on this team because if there's any year to do it, it is definitely this year. A lot of excitement behind this Buccaneers team. We talked about those COVID precautions, and then I also mentioned at the very beginning of the show that opt-out deadline that was earlier this week. There were 69 <laughs> total players in the NFL who had opted out, and the Buccaneers were lucky to only have one player. It was not Donovan Smith. We talked about him reporting to camp. It was Buccaneers offensive tackle Brad Seaton. Uh, he has decided to sit out for the year, as reported by Tom Polisero. I, I think that's how you say his name on Twitter. Close, close enough, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? I probably just butchered it, but it's okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Brad Seaton, all you can do is respect this decision. We talked about it before. It, it You know, it's hard for me to go on here and, and just – drag a guy for not wanting to play because at the end of the day it's his decision and yeah we just got to respect it that's all we can do right look i don't know bradley but i'm gonna go out on a limb here a very strong limb because that's what it would take for me to go out on um but i'm gonna say bradley seaton made this decision based upon smart economics because brad seaton wasn't gonna make this team let's be honest he was not <laughs> going to make the team he was gonna get cut we somewhere uh, in Tampa, there was going to be a six foot nine, three hundred and fourteen pound Uber Eats driver. Brad Seaton got one hundred and fifty thousand dollars and avoided being cut. I have the utmost respect for that decision. Brad Seaton, brilliant. I wish I could quit both of my jobs and get guaranteed one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars because I'm expected to get cut from either or both of them at all times with the way I talk to people. Brad Seaton, smart move. He wasn't making the team. Hey, you got to spend some money to make some money. So maybe with that extra cash he got off with, he can start up a small business and a lot of mm. opportunities in Tampa Bay, baby. 
Maybe a, maybe a podcast, like a Bucks uh, podcast. Maybe, uh, you know, he, he get out there, he'll, he'll start something out. Maybe like the, uh, you know, like the, 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 the cannon explosion podcast, something, oh, something unique. Man. Could, do you know anybody who can write up a cease and desist? I don't really know where you get those. Might have to I, like, a... I mean, now that we're talking about it, like I would not be shocked if most of the opt outs in the NFL, I haven't done a deep dive and actually looked at every single player. I think there was, uh, you know, 70 players or something like that. I haven't done a deep dive as to where they were on the depth chart, but I would have to imagine a lot of those guys knew with this pandemic and them not being able to go in and actually fight for their, their roster spots or their depth chart, uh, where they, where they're going to land. They probably assume, look, I'm not going to make this team and I would rather get $150,000 than $0. So, I mean, I might be, I might be wrong, but that's, that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, most definitely. I will say one of the things that I'm going to miss about this time of year is not only those training camp battles, those guys on the bubble, but just watching the preseason games, because I know we have no preseason football this year, but normally they do kind of suck to sit through. But one of my favorite things to analyze is just guys who were trying to make the team, right? You know, you know that there's some weight on their shoulders, you know, they're going to play a little bit extra hard. So it's, it's just, it's one of those things that we got to miss out on. And as you brought up earlier, it's unfortunate for those younger guys, the guys who just are kind of stuck there in purgatory, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. let's get into training camp a little bit more. We've talked a little bit about Buccaneers waving MJ Stewart, talked about Brad Seaton not playing. The Buccaneers are practicing in their facility. The vets have reported the rookies all there. Everybody's getting comfortable. Tom Brady's throwing to his receivers. And I got to tell you, man, the Buccaneers social media team posting all these highlights and these videos, they're getting me a little extra excited. It's pretty badass seeing Tom Brady throw yeah. to Mike Evans. I, I yeah. It's still one of those things you got to pinch yourself every other day. I hate to say it, but it's mm-hmm. pretty cool to see. A shout out to Jill Beckman. She is so amazing. She uh she she really she runs the social media department for the Bucks and and uh so damn good at what she does and that whole team. It's crazy. A lot of people don't realize how many people go into posting a, a tweet or, or an Instagram post or anything like that. And the Bucks are they have to be one of the best in the league at doing it. It's a, and it gets you it gets you hyped up, man. I get goosebumps on some of these videos that they post. Um, and it's really, really nice that they that they give us as, as much content as they can right now. And there's not a whole lot of content out there. They create it, and it's really great. But to see, you know, uh, Tom Brady out there throwing passes, and he's like he's coaching these guys through routes and and, and encouraging them. You, you hear him like, you know, great, great catch, Chris, you know, and like, way to go, Mike. And it's like, ah. Oh. It, it, it's uh, it's refreshing and it's and it just gives us that little little bit of normalcy we need, you know, to just try to get through it, man, because we we need football. And, and I know yeah. there's a lot of people I had somebody really go at me the other day because I was I was excited about football. And it was just this girl said to me, wow, really, that's what you're thinking about with everything that's going on in the world right now. And I said, yeah. We need this. We need a distraction from all of the crap that's being shoved down our throats. Yes, we're under a lot of pressure. Yes, we're, we have this weighted blanket uh, of, a, of a worldwide pandemic on top of us at all times. And yes, we need this. We need sports in general, but we need the NFL. The Western world needs the NFL. Like We need it more than anything. And you know who else needs it? The players. They need to get out there and they, they want to play. They've been working their whole life to do this. And they need to make a living. And if we could do it in a safe manner and everybody could be entertained a little bit, I don't see the problem with it, you know. And I, 
I gave her a good little two minute rant, and then she was, uh, was like, "Well, I guess that's just how you feel." I go, "Yeah, me and me and millions of other people, man. You know, hey man, uh, yeah." And then, uh, you know, she's probably going to Pier One for a sale. You know, but that's fine. You know, I... <laughs> you talked a little bit earlier about uh, the emphasis of Tom Brady just coaching these guys up, and that's a lot of what we've seen come out of these training camp highlights. Is Brady? You know, telling these guys exactly how he wants it, where he wants them to be, what time he wants them to make their cuts. Like, it's down to the nitty gritty. We talked last week about the Brady way being implemented in training camp, and now we're kind of seeing a little bit of that. I wanted to ask you and get your take. What do you think that adjustment is like for these guys who have been here and they haven't had Tom Brady in the building? You know, it's it's a big adjustment to have that. And I think the way he's carrying workouts, it's a little bit of a change for these guys. I think it's awesome. I think it's I think it's exactly what the Bucks needed. A lot of the players needed. I think he automatically, by just the day he signed, elevated the play of uh, of every player on the team, especially the offense, without them even knowing it. Because it's that it's that uh, that swagger. It's that uh, you know the hardware he brings. It's that you know it's just him. It's him but walking in the room. You know you got to up your game. It's a respect thing, and I, I I saw it for years in New England, you know, where you know you would see him bark at an offensive lineman, you know, and you don't know exactly what he's saying, but it, you know, maybe a guy missed a block, and uh, which would be very rare. And you would see this too, like how many times have you seen an offensive lineman uh, leave the Patriots uh, via free agency and and look average on another team? Uh, people play harder. Tom Brady they block harder for him they don't want to let him down receivers uh drop less passes you know like everybody wants to play for Tom Brady you know it'd be like you know my radio gig if all of a sudden they told me you know hey Howard Stern's your new program director and he wants to work with you one-on-one on on, uh, on you doing the best job you can although I really like my current program director I would I would have to up my game if Howard Stern came in the building it's just the same thing this guy's the best that's ever done it and everybody's going to want to play extra hard uh, for this guy it's just he, he brings that to the table and also his knowledge I mean he's seen every defense he's he knows everything it, it, it's crazy it's like having Bruce Lee as your karate instructor like this guy is the best so everybody is going to play that much harder. He is going to run, you know, practices basically the way he's always ran them, uh, you know, in a, a perfect type of setting. I remember I was listening to uh, I want to say it was the Ira Kaufman podcast. I'm not sure, but I, I want to say it was uh, it was Lita Kemper. Maybe that said it, but they were talking about when the Bucks did joint practices with uh, the Patriots in 2014. And how maybe maybe it was uh, it might have been Mark Cook. I don't know. One of these guys that are good at their job. Um, but they were saying how night and day it was to see one field, the Patriots practicing and the other field, the Bucks practicing. And it was when we had uh, I, I don't know which coach. Uh, maybe it was uh, it might have been uh, the Shiano period. I'm not sure. But it was it was, was just it like Morris. No, it was after that. But but I remember them saying that the Bucks looked like a Division three college team compared to an NFL team that was practicing on the field next to them. Mm. And it and they were watching Tom Brady even then, you know, you know, 10 years into his career running the practices and, and everybody just being like uh, these these robots, these these weld oil machines and the Bucks just looking like, you know, junior high school students. It's just 
that's what Tom Brady brings to your team. He brings perfection. I mean, that's what Bruce Arians also brought when he, you know, became our coach last year. But he was working with what he had. You know, he hadn't even had uh, time to implement his system fully and really get the players in there that he wanted. And he gave Jameis a chance. And you could tell as the season progressed, you know, he made plenty of comments that you just can't live with those turnovers. And we knew. We knew that, uh, you know, after that pick six at the end of the season, we were getting another – yeah, we're getting another quarterback and and Tom Brady. I mean, you can't I'm sorry, you just can't do better. You could talk about his age. Yeah, he's 43 years old, but I'm watching the, I'm watching him work out at Berkeley Prep. I'm watching him work out at the films that they're being released now. And I I'm sorry, he doesn't look he doesn't look like he's moving around like a 43-year-old. He looks like he's throwing the ball pretty sharp and looks like he's uh he's got his, his everything about him like I I I have no doubt that this guy can uh take us to the playoffs without, you know, without a problem. It's just, uh, let's see how, how this whole pandemic thing plays out. It's going to be, it's going to be something. Yeah. You talked about the excellence that is Tom Brady, the way that he makes you up your game and going yeah. back, Bruce Arians had mentioned that in his press conference this week was during OTAs quote unquote, during the time that Brady had riled up the boys and got them all to practice at Berkeley prep. That wasn't organized by anybody in the bucks building. That was 100% Brady reaching out to his teammates and saying, Hey, Let's go the extra mile. Let's go out here, get some extra reps in because Lord knows we need them. It's already springtime. So that's just the effect that Brady has. And again, it, it's, you know, Colin Cowherd, a guy that 99% of the time I just want to punch in the face. I hate seeing him on my TV. I hate listening to him on the radio. I don't yeah. like him. I'm not afraid to admit that I'm not a fan of Colin Cowherd. And I will say it feels a little wrong to sit here and talk about one of the things that he had recently discussed, but he recently showed the Bucks some love and we do have to recognize it. It kind of goes along with what we were just talking about. One of the statements he made was the Buccaneers were already an above average team. They just needed someone more mature at quarterback. And uh, it speaks volumes. Yeah, there, there's been there's been plenty of, uh, you know, analysts that have gone through the, the season, you know, in January and February and and kind of did uh, uh, breakdowns of, of the turnovers and, and uh, starting field position uh, because of the turnovers last year and how many points we gave up and how many points we didn't get when it came to the turnovers. And and I saw one of the reports, I, I don't know if it was uh, pro football focus, but it was uh, uh, obviously you could see I'm not a, a sports uh, broadcaster because I've done none of the research. I'm just going by memory. But uh, I did see that one of them said with the math that the Bucks should have went 10 and six and made the playoffs. If you take away just half of the interceptions that Jameis threw, you knock them down to 15 picks and the bucks make the playoffs walking away. Like it's nothing, you know? So it's just, you, you, you add in all that and it's like the defense started off slow, but once they gelled, they were playing great enough. The last six games, uh, if we just played smart offense and had a little bit more of a running game, then, you know, we could have, uh, we could have ended up a lot better. So, Probably the best seven and nine team in years to ever yeah. play, you know to play in the NFL. So yeah, that's the thing. Tom Brady is not going to throw picks. I think three times in the last ten seasons he's had more than nine or ten picks. So he's 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 one of those guys. It, it, when he throws a pick, that's that's an event. You know, you go, whoa, Tom Brady just threw the wrong guy. And a lot of the times, uh, a pick by Tom Brady is a is a deflection that kind of bounces into a safety's hands. You rarely see him just throw it to a guy that's just running it back for six. Uh, I, I think, nilly. 
I think Stephen Che, one of the guys over there at Barstool, Big Bucks guy, he recently did a film breakdown of all of Brady's interceptions from last year. Um, actually, I think it might have been the real Bucks talk guys, but uh, whatever. Everybody kind of yeah. does the same. But it was mm-hmm. a film study. They broke down Brady's interceptions from last year and really went through, as I'm sure we did with all 30 of Jameis's interceptions, um, and broke down whether it was Brady's fault, the receiver's fault, it was just a good play by the defender, that kind of thing. But, you, you know, we've sat here and we've talked about the Brady way and we've really pumped this guy up for a little bit. But he actually made some comments this week about training camp that uh, – I don't know if I'd like to hear him, but I guess it is just brutal honesty. And he's going to give that to you now that he's in Tampa. He said, uh, you know, he forgot how hard it is to learn a playbook. He's been doing the same thing for 19 years in New England. So having to make those changes. And a lot of people have come out and said that football, it's all the same plays. It's all the same routes. It's all the same designs. It's just the verbiage that you've really got to get in there and master. And I'm sure with B.A.'s offense, there's a little bit of adjusting he has to do. But he is Tom Brady. And everybody else has said that he's pretty far ahead of the curve. And another thing he had made a comment about, I know it's just the first week of training camp, but he also said he is glad that we're not playing a game this Sunday. And uh, that's pretty important because, as everybody seems to put it, what is it, 35, 36 days until they face off against New Orleans in the Superdome? Yeah, if I had to guess, I would say Brady's already got the playbook down. He's probably saying he doesn't want the the season to start this Sunday because – he probably doesn't have confidence that everybody else has the playbook down and they don't have that communication established to, you know, to really, uh, you know, nail the playbook together the way they need to. There needs to be a lot of chemistry developed over a very short period of time. You know, there's a lot that goes on with the receivers and offensive linemen when it comes to communicating and audibles and everything else. And, you know, it's going to get to the point somewhere in the season where Brady should be able to look at Mike Evans and, and know, you know, like, all right, this is the play where I'm going to go to him. I guarantee, you know, this is, you know, by reading the defense, he's going to know exactly, you know, what what's going to happen before it even happens. It, it's just that kind of chemistry will be developed. Uh, but, yeah, he has to be able to make sure that when he sees a defense that's, uh, that's set up perfect for an audible to, you know, a dive play with a running back, he needs to make sure that, that Ryan Jensen and Ali Marpet and all those guys are on the same page with him. And they, they got everything down perfectly. Cause I mean, the NFL, all it takes is one, one miscommunication and one fumble. And that's, that could be the game. So everything has to be perfect, especially for Tom Brady, who's a perfectionist. So that's what he's worried about. I wouldn't doubt he had that playbook down by mid May. I mean, this guy, that's how much he really, really cares about football. I mean, the guy still has an iPhone six. So he doesn't care. He doesn't care about anything but football. That's what he does. Hell yeah. That's what I want my quarterback. Every positive quality right there. Now, when it comes to training camp, another thing that had come out this week, Bruce Arian said in his media conference that uh, Rojo is definitely still the running back one. We talked on the last week's show of Buccaneer signing LaShawn McCoy and me and Evan had kind of agreed that, you know, he's going to be our pass catching guy. He's going to be that outlet that's safe route for Brady. Who's there when nobody else is open. And I Mm -hmm. don't expect him to take that bell cow spot from Ronald Jones. And with B.A. confirming that, I'm even more excited to see these guys get in pads for training camp and see Rojo out there knocking some heads because he added that weight. I just want to see a move, man. Like I'm excited to watch Ronald Jones run the football. Oh, I'm I'm beyond excited Uh, watching uh, uh, his trainer on Twitter, showing him running up mountains in Arizona and uh, watching him catching passes on the fly. He's been 
practicing extra on swing passes out of the backfield because, uh, you know, you could look through all of the film of Brady's career, and that is something that he does better than anybody is that little swing pass, uh, that little uh, that little dump off, that outlet to the running back where he makes average guys look like, uh, you know, pro bowlers, you know, guys like James White, you know, like we would have never known who that guy was without Tom Brady. Sorry. Um, but that's something uh, that, that Tom Brady does so well that a lot of quarterbacks, you know, they just don't. And it, it's an easy pass on, on paper, and it, and it looks easy, but it really isn't. It's one of the hardest passes to throw is when you can lead that running back out there a couple of yards and let him run under the ball with a head of steam. And that's something that, that Jameis had a problem with. with uh, number one, seeing the outlet guy. And number two, uh, throwing it to him while he can run under it instead of him having to stop in the backfield. Or even catch, sometimes just go and get it. Yeah, catch the ball with his feet, you know, flat and then run. It's just, you know, you're not going to get very many yards where um, I, I, I broke down so much Tom Brady film during the, the first uh, lockdown we had with the quarantine when they gave everybody uh, access to uh, the NFL films, uh, all 22s and all that. So yeah. I, I went in and I said, you know what? I got nothing to do right now. I'm not working like everybody else. I want to go see uh, you know, all the plays at Tom, all the offensive plays for the Patriots. And I went like four seasons deep and I, and I really just sat there like, like my input means anything to anybody, but I did it for myself because I wanted to see, you know, more plays. I know who Tom Brady is. Everybody does. But unless you're a Patriots fan, you haven't watched every game. You know, I watch every Bucks game. I, I only watch Tom Brady in the postseason ever, you know, or unless he's playing the Bucks. So it was really interesting to see, uh, you know, just a breakdown of, uh, of all those little swing passes and how gorgeous they are. And I'm like, damn, you know, no wonder, you know, uh, you know, his running backs did so well catching the ball. And Ronald Jones, number one, he's, he's, he's been practicing at it. And number two, uh, Shady McCoy is going to help him in that oh, regard, yeah. too. And he even said that in his uh, his Zoom press conference uh, this week. He said he's excited about working with the young guys for the future of this team. How many guys say that? Like, he knows he's 32. He knows that, you know, he's he's in the twilight of his career. Uh, and, and instead of just saying, what can I do and me, 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 he's like, look, they're giving me a million dollars for a year. I'm going to coach up the other guys, too, which he doesn't even have to do. But the yeah. Bucks know that. Bruce Arians knows that, and which is one of the reasons why they they uh they signed him probably. You know, I think that running back room is going to be a bigger part of this offense than people realize. We get excited talking about Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, the deep ball stuff like that, you know. But I think Brady having the outlet of Ronald Jones, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn every now and again, but mostly Ronald Jones and LaShawn McCoy, like it can be deadly. Rojo, he shined on the running back screen last year. Some mm -hmm. of his biggest plays of the year were on screens. You know, they don't work so well with wide receiver screens. But when you have two guys, LaShawn McCoy, even though he is a little bit older, and Ronald Jones, who's really starting to get into his stride, it's just it's going to be deadly. And I think it's going to carry this offense at a couple of points in the season coming up. I'm I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, he had probably 100 yards with the screens that were called back due to DeMar Dotson tackling somebody downfield, too. So, right. Uh, <laughs> so we'll see what happens, you know, when you clean up some of that stuff, too. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, man. And the thing about Brady in the run game, too, that a lot of people will never think about because most people that watch football just watch what happens uh, between, you know, the time it's snapped and the whistle blows. But what happens before the ball is snapped is where a great quarterback 
can make a difference in in the run game also because when Tom Brady walks up to the line and he reads that defense and there's only been a handful of quarterbacks like him and like Peyton Manning, you know, that have that kind of vision where they can look over that defense and go, oh, well, I could tell by the way the linebackers feet are that he's not he's not going to be in the gap right now. You know, he is set up for uh, something else and he could just read that defense and know to audible to a, a trap play or to it, you know, a sweep or something like that. And that is going to help the run game. And let me motion, you know, let me motion right my running back out wide so I can figure out if they're in a zone or a man. Yep. Like that is a huge yeah. part of Brady's game is right before the snap. Great point you had brought up there. Now, we talked about training camp. We talked about the greatness that is Tom Brady, the immunity plan, right? And then, of course, the training camp, the way he runs practices. Let's talk a little bit about the regular season coming up. Now, we know that COVID-19 is a big thing in the world right now. It's affecting the way that we do everything. You know, there was a representative that came out earlier today that said that college football is probably not going to happen this year solely because of everything happening with this disease. So let's take a look at what other teams are doing to prevent players getting sick. You know, you look at the precautions, what we talked about earlier, what they're doing inside one buck, all the technology, but you look around at some other teams, AKA the New Orleans Saints, they kind of set up their own little player bubble. Now, Bruce Arians was asked about that during his press conference, and he brought it up for the Bucks and said that, excuse me, his team has secured a hotel in Tampa for the players to stay in if they choose. So it will not be mandatory, but we talk about a big part of not spreading this stuff around as the responsibility of the players. You know, the MLB had that outbreak in Miami, and it's because the players were being jack-offs and went out one night after the game and right. got everybody sick. It'll be up to the players to be responsible, but it's very good and very comforting for a guy like me to hear that, well, they've got this precaution as well if they so choose to take it, and that's a whole tell. Buccaneers kind of run in their own little bubble. You like to see it. Uh, yeah. What I think uh, they're doing here is they are, they are setting up a scenario to where if they have to uh, tighten up the, uh, the protocol, then they'll be in place to do so. Um, they can't just come out and tell – 2000 players. Hey, you have to do this. It's, it's going to be really, really tough to do that. I mean, it's hard enough to get people to wear a mask in Walmart without freaking out and ending up going viral on YouTube. Right. So I think what they're doing is they are kind of, they have protocols set up. They probably have two or three backup plans in place. Um, and they just want to be prepared so that if there is a Miami Marlins type of situation in the NFL, and it very likely could be with a team then they can just tighten up, uh, you know, they could they could say, all right, we have this hotel in place that was voluntary. Now it's going to be mandatory because we can't afford to miss football games. And for, as far as college not playing, I think that would be the best thing for college and pro football because I, uh, I did, uh, you know, a laying in bed insomniac kind of deep thought about this the other night. That's where it and, all happens. Absolutely. That's where I do my best thinking. And uh, well, there's one other place, but it's uh, it's not family friendly. But I uh, especially after taco night. But I, uh, I was thinking if, if you if you wait for college football, number one, man, we get spring football, like real spring football. That'd be amazing. Uh, number two, uh, if the NFL does have to postpone games, we could use those Saturdays for makeup games. I mean, we really could. So that was what I was thinking there. You know, you, you have to uh, postpone a game instead of like trying to. Uh, figure out when that when you're going to reschedule it. You have these open Saturdays, then you can kind of throw them in like that. I don't know. I, that's just me thinking in bed. But 
Um, I hate to think of college football without fans to me is not college football. I mean, right. Sure. Sure. NFL football without fans would suck too, but I, I mean, that's the whole, the, the whole, uh, that's the gimmick. Yeah. College football, man. You want to see the, you know, the, the, the fans go crazy. Every, every team has their fan base and every, you know, every school. And I don't know, it would be super weird for me. And, you know, and I'm excited to see USF play this year. Um, you know, I, I, I like what they got going on, but I also want to make sure that people are safe and that, you know, they get the best opportunity to showcase themselves in front of a great crowd and, uh, and, and everybody, you know, on both sides gets, uh, gets a good experience out of it. I don't know if college football is going to work in the fall. Um, it, it, to me, it just seems like with all these teams opting out, you know, you have uh, UConn completely opted out. Um, and then you got all these conferences that are going out on their own and doing everything. Else. It's just so confusing right now. I think it would be best if they, if they, uh, either, either postponed it or said, you know what, we're going to sign waivers and we're just going to play right through this thing. I don't know. You know, since college kids aren't getting sick, you know, we need nobody. No adults are allowed at the game. Only you got to be you got to be under 25. And, uh, you know, just uh, we'll keep all the old folks at home and safe. Right. I don't know. Now, a, a weird thought that comes to mind is let's say they scrap the college football season. No college football this fall. Then what happens to the draft? You know, what happens to those seniors who are showing a lot of promise for the Bucks, for example? Right. What happens to the quarterbacks that are showing a lot of promise headed into their senior year? Like it's it's a weird possibility. Yeah, you would have to do the draft right after the college football season wrapped up. It would be really, really weird, but I think they can make it happen. You may have to do a shortened spring season, you know, wrap it up by, you know, start it in February and wrap it up, uh, you know, by April and then, uh, you know, make the draft, uh, you know, the, the end of May and uh, do it like that. I mean, there's ways to do it. It's obviously going to be weird. It's going to be uh you know, a disadvantage for certain players and, and certain uh, teams. But, you know, we're, we're, like I said, at the, at the end of the day, we're dealing with uh, something that we've never had to deal with. So you just have to kind of figure it out. I don't know. I mean, you you could kind of think of it, too, like uh, what happened, what would happen if there was a strike this year and, you know, nobody played football, you know, and then, uh, you know, you'd have to figure out how to pick up the, the, the pieces whenever you came back, you know, like what if they just, you know, they canceled college football because, you know, the NCAA was uh, having an issue with the, uh, you know, dealing with the, the different power fives and all that. And maybe, I don't know, it's just, you have to just try to figure it out. I'm glad there's people that make a lot of money to figure it out. And I don't have to. Yeah. Right. Now, one more thing, you know, you take this train of thought and you apply it to the NFL. We talk about people getting sick that, I guess that next man up mentality. One more thing Bruce Arians had mentioned in his press conference is that uh, the contingency plan of what happens if he gets sick, what happens if Todd Bowles gets sick, you know, Um, you have coaches that come and they, they step up in that place. Um, I guess what I'm trying to ask is the importance of if people get sick and for whatever time they have to miss, you know, is it just next man up? Is that the mentality? Like the Bucks are carrying limited players this season, but, I think there's going to be an extra emphasis on the depth of these teams and, and the players. Yeah. I mean, that's all you can do really. As far as coaching goes, I mean, they, there's a, there's a lot of depth at the coaching with the coaching staff. They, and I'd feel pretty confident with a lot of those guys, you know, calling plays and, and uh, making sure that everything is in, in place there. You know, if Todd Bowles goes down, I mean, you have, you have great coaches in place there that know the entire 
playbook. You know, you have Kevin Ross, the, the defensive backs coach, and you have uh, uh, Larry Foote, who's one of my all-time favorite linebackers from the 90s. But uh, Larry Foote's a linebackers coach. Uh, I mean, you got a lot of people there. I, hell, I'd like to see Lori, the uh, the defensive line uh, coach. You get a girl in there calling the, uh, right. calling the defense. Man, that would make some uh, – and Casey, Casey Rogers, I get, that would really, that would really, uh, uh, get some national attention right there. So, I mean, but you have a lot, you have a lot of good coaches on the staff. I mean, there's a ton of, I think the Bucks have the largest coaching staff in the NFL. So, uh, you would have to have a real outbreak in the coaching staff for somebody not to come in and know the playbook and, and, and do enough to, uh, to get them going there. And let's face it, the offense, we have a coach on the field named Tom Brady that could call the plays if the coaches were, we're not available there. All we need is all we need is somebody there. We'll, and as far as the offense goes, Harold Goodwin knows the offense. Byron Leftwich obviously is the offensive coordinator. Clyde Christensen's been in the system forever. He knows the offense. I mean, all the way down the line. So you're fine. You have tons of people that yeah. know the offense. Joe Gilbert knows the offense. I mean, everybody. Antoine Randall knows the offense. So we have a lot of guys there. Old ass Tom Moore probably can call the offense. So. Uh, I think we're okay as far as depth on coaching staff. I would be more concerned about our offensive linemen than I would the coaching staff. Most definitely. And you talked about the depth of the coaching staff. One more thing that we can take away and I think be grateful for is uh, it seems like this is the first consistent coaching staff the Buccaneers have had in quite some time. You know, I know they held on to Dirk Cutter and that was a staff that players were familiar with, but it wasn't a winning recipe. As of right now, it looks like Bruce Arians is the man who can hopefully get it done for us. And I think the consistency, um, you know, these players just picking up right where they left off last season with the circumstances happening now, it's definitely a good thing as we head into training camp. Yeah, I I, uh, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. I said, how crazy would it be if we started losing so many players in the NFL that some of these coaches that played had to like start suiting up and playing like <laughs> certain games. So, you know, the you get you get it, it tears through like uh, the Bucks, and you go, all right, well, you know, uh, it looks like uh, we lost Levante, David and uh, and Devin White. But good news, Shelton Quarles and, uh, and Derek Brooks are going to suit up for this weekend. So <laughs> everything is going to be fine, folks. All right, Byron, hand over the clipboard. Brady went down. We need you. Yeah, Byron's playing quarterback. And, oh, thank God we got Cody Grimm on the staff because we're down a safety. <laughs> we'll be Hell fine, yeah, guys. Man. Everything's good. So when it comes to the NFL season right now, the theme is definitely still uh, wait and see, as much as I hate to say it. But as of right now, everything is still slated to start on time. Football is a coming. I think 36 days away are we from the start of the 2020 NFL season, and I'm very excited to watch it. Week one, Buccaneers kick off against the New Orleans Saints in the Louisiana Superdome. So very excited to watch that one. With that being said, I think that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. First off, Johnny, thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. I know it's kind of been a long time coming. It should have happened a lot sooner, and uh, I'm glad we were finally able to make this happen. No, man, I, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I'm a big fan of the show. I listen to every episode, and and uh, it's really, really cool to have me on. And and uh, I know people that listen to the Bucks break, they probably get this goofy version of me as the host of my uh, nighttime talk show and um, I'm sure a lot of the fans of the Cannon Fire podcast are probably like, man, I really like Bucks talk, but that Johnny B guy's super annoying. Uh, so I'm glad that we could do this on on uh, on your stage here, and and I could play the co-host because I'm a big fan of Evan too, man. A guy for as young as he is, he knows a lot about football. So I really enjoy uh, his his input and his take on everything too. So 
uh, I was kind of sad that he wasn't here today because I wanted to uh, I wanted to do a little three way with you and okay that there you know I'm not going to finish that oh, all right let's yeah no, I'm forget sure it. <laughs> I'm sure he would have been looking forward to it too a little unfortunate he's on the inav- inactive we list this week Jesus Christ I don't know what's wrong with yeah. me but um yeah you know the vibes Johnny where can people find you on social media and uh, take in all of your good content. Oh, man, thanks. I don't know about good content, but take it in anyway. Um, on Instagram, I am Johnny B. Tampa. Uh, pretty much everything Johnny B. Tampa except for Twitter, I am Johnny B. Comedy because I've been on Twitter since it started. You said and, you were going to uh, make that change. When's it happening? Everything has I, to be Johnny B. Tampa, right? I, 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 I was going to, but I lose my blue check if I change it from Johnny B. Comedy. And uh, I am one of 300,000 verified accounts. And you scared I am to be not, one of us? One of us doing regular it, plebs? I ain't doing it. I, right now, I get followed by super famous people because they think I'm somebody, and somehow I squeezed in and got a blue check, so uh, I can't. It's the only thing I have that makes me even close to being uh, you know, a, a viable celebrity in the area, so I, I have to keep it. Even if it was like Johnny B. Turd Boy or something, I would have to keep it because I have a blue check, and I'm holding on to Twitter because of that. I don't care you know, if the Chinese own it and, and everything else. I... I already have to drop my TikTok now, you know, and I was just starting to make some good dance videos. Oh, no. So, no. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks, man. So, yeah, I got to hold on to Johnny B Comedy on Twitter. So thanks for the follow. If you guys follow me. I appreciate it. I do live tweet Bucks games and uh, they can get they can get a little uh, they can get a little, uh, I don't know, angry sometimes. And uh, I hope they're entertaining. I've had people tell me I should do uh, like a live stream during Bucks games and uh, I might be doing that. So I don't know. We'll see. Oh, yeah, man. I will say you were a pretty good Instagram follow solely because your page always makes me hungry. Like you'll be posting shit you whip up on the big green egg or the smoker out on your back porch. You posted the burger culture donut burger you threw down on earlier. Oh, yeah. my God. It's so ridiculous. Like it, it's a donut burger and it's it's two whole glazed donuts as the bun. Not not like most places that do the donut burger where they split the donut in half and use it. And all I can think was. If if my girlfriend would have said, hey, do you want to go out and get a big ass burger and then afterwards eat two big glazed donuts, even as fat as I am, I would go, no, what am I, a savage? I'm not going to want to eat two big glazed donuts after I ate a big burger. But I did it. I did it as a burger, like a big fat sloth piece of doo-doo, man. Uh, and it was so damn good. Uh, it, it was really enjoyable. So, yeah, I do post uh, a lot of food stuff. I am a. Uh, I'm an ex chef and I, and I, and I hang out a lot in the food scene in Tampa. So if you like food porn, uh, definitely follow me, Johnny B Tampa on Instagram. So thanks. And, and also, uh, don't forget, uh, to follow everything with my show on the bone too. uh, 102.5, the bone. I, I have the Johnny B show on Instagram and I have, uh, Johnny B show on Twitter too. So I appreciate that. Thanks. Hell yeah. Get at them folks. Pretty good content going on over there. Before we take off, make sure you follow our show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon fire podcast. You can go there for updates on the show. And of course, any Buccaneer news that we might have coming at you. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus. If you follow me, I swear to God, I will follow you back. Evan cannot say the same, and I'm not going to plug his social media because he is not here. Y'all know where to follow him. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to our show. Thank you, Johnny, for coming on with me. I am Rhett Matthew signing off for Mr. Johnny B, and we will catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the show, and go Bucks. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.